Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. All right. Don't you love that feeling of, like, God? I guess. It's pretty good. I always find that when his presence is in a room like that, it's just, I, I don't really know what to say. So we can just stare at each other for an hour. Because we're beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, I come from Canada. It is drunk up here. Um, I'm just going to move stuff around so it looks like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but I hail from the great nation of Canada, uh, where my... Summer is uh, far colder than your winter. <laughs> it's quite entertaining just like walking around Brisbane and all this fun stuff. And I'm seeing people in, in jumpers and, and uh, winter jackets and I'm dying. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, that transition is, is kind of entertaining just to begin with. Um, but in Canada, uh, my ministry, I have a ministry that goes all over the world. Uh, and the ministry, uh, the, the vision of my ministry is very, very simple. It goes just like this. We, we exist to supernaturally inspire hope. And that's it, you know. Uh, and for me personally, I've, I've given my life over to the gift of the prophetic. How far can this gift actually get us? What can we do with this gifting? You know, uh, I love that all these movies are coming out right now of, of like the superheroes and the Avengers and the X-Men and all that kind of stuff. Because all of that literally is just prophecy unto a generation. Saying that we know that there's, we know that in this room, I, I promise you this, everybody in here knows that you're made for something more, right? You know? And if you don't, um, you were made for something more. There we go. So everybody knows we all have this thing inside of us. And I've just decided I want to give the rest of my life to try and figure out what can be done with a gifting that is actually supernatural. You know? Maybe, okay, maybe I, I think that's cool. The rest of you I'm going to work on. But I, I think it's just amazing what can actually happen if we give ourselves over to the stewardship of this gifting. And there's so much that's going on with this stuff. I love that you guys are having the School of the Prophetic because that's an absolutely fantastic place to land with this. Um, but from all of this, like I was saying, I exist to supernaturally inspire hope. And then I do that in three different ways. <coughs> Excuse me, I do it in three different ways. The first one, the first strategy that we have is what we call the burning one strategy. And for the Burning One strategy, this is, it's one of the most remarkable uh, dreams, visions, all this kind of stuff that the Lord has given me, and I'm not going to teach it tonight, because <laughs> I got something better. The moment that Catherine invited me to come and speak here, I knew exactly what to speak about. But I think that this strategy is very, very important, because it's what I see happening all around the world, is the Lord's raising up people of fire, literally, to go and, and just to ransom nations. I'm seeing it happen everywhere. I'm seeing it happen in the nameless and the faceless and the, the famous and everybody in between. Uh, but that, that, is, that, that message is so important, and I just want to give it away to everybody. So if you go to my website, which is very, very easy, it's just kalemumby.com. If you go to kalemumby.com, give me your email address, and then you can stay updated with the Burning Ones and with everything that's going on with that. Uh, we give you a little code, and you can download the Burning Ones teaching for free. And just like copy it, give it away, get that thing out there because that's all I want is to see Australia saved. <laughs> all I want to see is all I want is I want to see Canada saved. I want to see generations saved. All that kind of stuff and whatever we can do to stoke the fires. That's that's what I want to do. 
So we host these conferences. That's one of the strategies uh, called the Burning Ones. I teach in lots of different churches, lots of different places like that. And the fun thing with the Burning Ones is this, just so we can get to know each other a little bit. I like that, get to know each other. You're just going to sit there and watch, but I'll tell you about me. Um, but I'm actually feeling and seeing where we're going to go. So you guys are used to the prophetic, so it's fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I can see through your shields. So... Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> but in with the burning ones and all that kind of stuff, I, uh, I just felt this, this is like a little side note on my heart. I firmly believe that God, he loves the local church so very much. And I was just feeling his pleasure over this place. I was feeling his pleasure over you. Uh, and I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt that the next great move of God is coming from the local church and it will be fostered by the local church. That's why I love that with Glory City, with you guys, you're planting all these churches all over the place and there is a strategy behind it because God won't do anything outside of the context of family. He will not do anything outside of the context of family. And for me, that's part of the burning one strategy. I love that. My, I, uh, I, like I said, I do lots of stuff in churches. I'm part of the senior lead team of my church, and my church is called Gateway Family Church. Gateway Family Church. It's because we believe that the full context of the kingdom, when you see the fullness of the kingdom, it looks like family. And we always tell everybody all over the world, they said, if people come to my church and they say, okay, we're, they're the Gateway Church, that seems like a really prophetic church. In my opinion, we've failed. And if they say, oh, Gateway Church is a really apostolic church, again, in my opinion, we've failed. But when they come to my church and they say, wow, this feels like family, I think we've actually hit it because that's when all the giftings are in operation, that's what we're going to have. So we're going to have a healthy family, fathers and mothers, and we're not going to have people whose identities are the giftings, but they're going to have people who are strong, who use the gifting in a powerful way. Does that make sense? Oh, I love that. So, so that's where I come from. That's, that's, that's my passion. That's one of the strategies that we do. The second strategy that we use to supernaturally inspire hope is I call it the influencer strategy. So I don't know how this happened, but it's really kind of fun. Uh, I, uh, well, I started praying Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. That's a really, really, really good verse to, to start praying. Daniel chapter 1, verse 20, the Kale Mumby version of that. So this Daniel and his buddies, they had a gifting that was 10 times as strong in his wisdom, in wisdom and power than any of the witches, than any of the spirit guides, and any of that stuff that was going on in the nation at that time. And because of that, they got audience with the king, right? You remember that? If you don't remember that, read Daniel. There you go. So. That's your Bible verse for that stuff. But I love that verse. Daniel and his buddies, a gifting that was 10 times as strong. When I saw that, I started praying, God, give me that gifting. I want a gifting that's 10 times as strong as the most famous New Ager on planet Earth. I want a gifting that's 10 times as strong as the most famous spirit reader or people that work in government or people that work in business. I want to be the number one, and I want to raise up the number one business advisors, government advisors. I want to do that. Why? Because we should have a gifting that's 10 times as strong. We're allowed to, we should go after it, we should pray for that. So I started praying for that, and lo and behold, it's happening, which is really weird. You know, because like, the joke with me is I get lost when I walk down a straight street, and that's actually not a joke, it's true. I one day had to uh, GPS my way home, and I didn't walk, I realized I just walked a straight line. So, <laughs> hello, prophetic. You know, so... <laughs> But the doors are opening up for me literally all over the world so that I can be a prophetic advisor to, to federal governments, uh, to kings, to, to billionaires, into Hollywood, doing stuff like that. All these people with massive influence. Why? Because, not because I have anything special, but I know someone who really is. You know, I know the Holy Spirit. I know who this guy is. And I know that when we open up the doors to, to what's going on, we're going to see astonishing things happen. 
And I promise you this, and I, I'm not going to talk about it tonight because I just want to like increase your faith a little bit. Um, I promise you this, the people who are the movers and the shakers of this world are so desperately hungry for Jesus right now. And there is an actual move of God that's going on in federal governments, because I get to watch it. I watch it, literally. Two days before coming here to your nation, I was in my own federal government meeting with the leaders who run stuff, and literally what happens is I'll get prophetic dreams, where I get word of knowledge level stuff that is highly classified information, and because of that, I have wide open doors everywhere I go. And because of that, they're actually listening to me, and we are actually working together right now, right now, we're actually working together right now to put prophetic language into policies and procedures, not just of a little thing, but to stuff that actually affects the planet. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I love this because I, uh, the reason why I'm telling you this is because I know there's people in this room where it's going to happen that's just the same. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's why I'm here. The Lord told me to start investing in Australia because he's going to raise up major leaders from this nation. And so this is why I'm here. So somebody better latch onto that thing because I'm not just telling nice stories. There we go. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting into it now. So that's the second strategy. The third strategy that we do is we call it the activation strategy. And I love this one. The activation strategy is I work with all the burning ones. I work with the local church. I work with all the schools. We partner them in together with government, with influencers, all that kind of stuff. And we go and we land into a place where there literally is absolutely no hope. And I know there's places on earth where there is no hope. And why we do that is so we can actualize and we can activate what we truly believe. One of my favorite lines that I live by is either Jesus is who he says he is or he's a total fraud. And either we're going to say, mm-hmm, that's great, or we're going to do something with it. I want to see how much power is actually in the cross. What did he actually get for us? And the only way I know how to do that is to find the most hopeless place imaginable. And so what I've discovered in my travels is there's an area that's absolutely captured my heart, and it's in Mexico, uh, in Mexico City. And I go down to Mexico City on a regular basis, and I bring teams down so that we can actualize and we can realize who we actually are. And we go into areas that are uh, totally controlled by the cartel. We go into areas that are literally dedicated over to devil worship. It's in your face. It is, it, it's nasty. And we go into these areas that are uh, where... Well, I'll tell you this. The one area that we go into, it's the largest human trafficking ring in Latin America. There's over 5,000 women and children that are trafficked in there on a daily basis. I've walked into there, and it's not big. It's a half mile by half mile square area. The staff that we work with will make initial contact with 750 new women every week. And they will never get out. Unless people like you, and unless people like me, realize who we actually are and go release the power of the kingdom. And we actualize the reality that there is actual power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, right? And we'll go into those places. And I love that because I find that it helps me have a responsibility for all this conference speaking. It helps me take ownership of worshiping for hours a night. It helps me take ownership to come into a place like tonight and where we're going to go tonight and say, I have a responsibility to have a radical power encounter with Jesus. Why? <laughs> because I got 5,000 women waiting for me to have this encounter. You know, last time I was just down there a couple of months ago and last time I went into Merced, nobody came out with me. And now is that my fault? No. Is it their fault? Absolutely not. But the only answer that I know with that one is I must have another radical power encounter with Jesus. Because biblically, that's what I notice happens. Power encounter, miracles happen. Power encounter, miracles happen. So therefore, tonight, for example, therefore, as this week goes on, I am responsible to get roaring drunk in the Holy Spirit. I am responsible to have another face-to-face -face encounter where you have to drag me out of here by my heels. 
I am responsible to get absolutely plastered by Jesus for the next seven weeks so that I can go back down into, uh, into Mexico City and actually have something to offer them. Does that make sense? You guys, you are so free and you are, you are required to be ravenously hungry. There is nothing wrong with getting knocked to the ground over and 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 over just as long as you go. <laughs> okay. That's supposed to be the introduction, but I'm preaching at you. Amen. Um, yeah. <laughs> hmm. So that's basically who I am. Canadian, love the prophetic, love Jesus more, you know, I just want to change the world. <laughs> so tonight, um, tonight I, I want to prophesy over every single one of you, <laughs> not one by one, no thanks. Um, leave that to Dan McCollum, <laughs> he's a weirdo that does that, <laughs> oh, not me. Um, Watch me get convicted. <laughs> Don't start praying for that. But I want to prophesy over all of you. I feel like I have a corporate word for you as Glory City. And I feel like for all of you watching all that, I feel like this is a corporate word actually for Australia. Uh, I've preached this a few times, and I literally only preach this message when I feel the Lord uh, quickening my heart to. And when Catherine asked me to preach, the, preach here uh, at the Voice of the Prophets, I knew instantaneously this is the one. And so it's fun. This is, this is a sacred teaching for me. And uh, I, I just want to share it with you because I'm just going to prophesy over you this whole night. How's that sound? Uh, but I want to bring you into, just so we can set this up a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to read you a, a prophecy that I got when I was 14 years old. And it was one of the most marking prophecies of my life. And I love this for me, uh, just to give you a little bit more of my backstory. I had my first encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was six months old. And why we know I was six months old is, guys, I can tell you every single person that was in the room, I can tell you where they were sitting, I can tell you the colors of the wall, I can tell you the furniture, where it all was, and because of this, we're able to, to qualify where, what was going on. And when I was six months old, I had this vision uh, where I saw this blue cloud enter into the room, and I felt all these emotions around this blue cloud, I'm like, ooh, I like that, you know? I don't know if that's what I thought, it was more six months old language, you know? <laughs> Apparently, that's what I sounded like as a baby. That was kind of weird. But I saw this, this blue cloud enter into the room, and it hovered over all the people. And it was just in a living room. And I, I could feel this intense curiosity, this intense desire. I could feel this love, and this is all I wanted. And I watched as it hovered over everybody. And it came, and it hovered over me in my, my car seat that my parents had me in. And when it hovered over me, all of those emotions went off the scale. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, it was about 500 of feeling love and of feeling known and of feeling uh, uh, just whatever this is. That's why I made a decision at six months old. Whatever this is, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to find it. Because my family at the time, we weren't saved. <laughs> There's a whole long story, but I'll get into that next time I'm with you. It was a whole long story about how we all finally got saved. Um, but I searched for that that thing, that blue cloud thing, since I was six months old until when I actually found it when I was 14. And that's when the Toronto Blessing, it was really going crazy, and I'm from Canada, so that was pretty nuts, you know? You guys know about the Toronto Blessing, right? Okay, good. Phew. Uh, yeah, but my dad, oh, I have to tell you this story. Is this okay? I'm just going to tell random stories and get into it. My dad, he got tricked into going to the Toronto Blessing. <laughs> he was there on business. My dad's a businessman. Uh, he was there on business, and the, at, at this time, we were finally all saved, but the church that we went to, uh, here's a cheesy joke, Daniel like this, uh, it was the Father, Son, and the, and, and, and the Holy Pipe Organ, <laughs> you know, that was our trinity. The Holy Spirit did not exist. 
In fact, they preached that the Holy Spirit left, which is really funny when you read John 14, and I will not leave you as orphans. Apparently, they crossed that part out, you know? But our church, we did not accept that. There was no, 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 no movement of that, and it was kind of fun. The, uh, I remember this vividly. One time, somebody came into our church, and they raised their hands halfway, and they called a board meeting to figure out how to stop this cultish activity. <laughs> I always think like if one of us went in there, like the pipe organ would have caught fire, you know, like, man. So that's the kind of nature that the church that we went to. My dad goes to Toronto on business, literally gets tricked into going to the Toronto Blessing. And so he walks into the Toronto Blessing, and this was in like 94, 95, when things were very peaceful and serene. You know, no, not at all. 5,000 people going absolutely ballistic all over this room. You know, and remember, we're Father, Son, and Holy Pipe Organ, and my dad's like, this, you people are all absolutely crazy. Somehow he makes it through the entire meeting. I don't know how, but somehow he makes it through the entire meeting. Uh, the, 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 the ministry gets up and they say, if anybody's hungry for the Holy Spirit, come forward, we're going to pray for you. And so, of course, my dad's like, perfect, I'm going to run for the door. But my dad's coworker, who tricked him into coming, said, we're not leaving until you get prayed for. <laughs> so my dad's like, okay, fine. You know, I'm going to prove to you that all of this stuff isn't real, and I'm going to go and get prayed for. And you need to meet my dad because he's nothing like me. He's very, very orderly. He's line upon line, precept upon precept, all that kind of stuff. And he went and he studied all of the prayer teams that were going on in the Toronto Blessing, and he found the prayer team that looked the most normal. You know, so he stood in that line and he waited and for, for them to come up to him. And uh, he, uh, me and Randy, I don't know if you've heard Randy say this, the, the, the HTRs, have you heard of this thing? We call them the hard to receives. <laughs> you can always tell when they're standing in line. They're the HTRs. And sometimes you're assigned an HTR. You know, and so my dad was that. I'm here to prove to all these millions of people that this is all wrong and I'm right. You know, that the devil is actually coming and healing people and restoring marriages and getting them saved. Like, good job, devil. You know, so, <laughs> I love that theory. You know, and it's just wrong. So. He was standing there, and, and, and he had his arms crossed like that, and uh, the, the, the prayer team came up to him, and, and they, they, the guy who was going to pray for him, he, he did the same thing. He crossed his arms right in front of my dad, just like that. And he goes, you know what? And my dad goes, what? He says, your father never said he loved you, Whoa. which is totally true. My dad's dad never once said he loved him. And he said, you know what else? He says, your father never hugged you, which is also true. My dad's dad never once hugged him. And then he said, now on behalf of your heavenly father, he grabbed my dad in a huge bear hug before he could do anything and started going, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And boom, down my dad goes to the ground, rolling around screaming and yelling like all the other lunatics in the room. <laughs> As he experiences the love of the father for the very first time, you know? And this is crazy, and this is why I like telling this part of the story. Uh, we didn't remember, we didn't know this was going on, me and my mom at, at, at our home. I live in Edmonton, that's a four and a half hour plane ride away from Toronto, you know, and so I'll never forget this to the day I die, you know, and then I'll probably still remember it. But, you know, <laughs> I was sitting at my kitchen table with my mom, we were talking. My dad comes home from Toronto, we do not know what has happened. He walks into the room, and my mom looked at him before my dad even says anything and points at him and says, what happened to you? You're a changed man. Just like that. And when my dad walked into the room, I saw glowing white light all around him. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but it's not every day that my dad glows, you know? So for some of you, apparently, it's quite common. You're just like, so new for me, you know? But he walks in that room, and that same thing that I've been searching after since I was six months old comes into the room with him. And I know whatever just happened to my dad to make him start glowing, that's what I want. And he sits us down and he tells us a story about the Holy Spirit. And it's the first time I actually learned this blue cloud's name. 
And I knew it's, I finally have a, tra a trajectory to go to. I can finally do this. I can finally capture him. I finally have something that I can go after. And it was a couple of months later, I had my, a radical, radical, radical power encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was 14. Lasted three and a half hours. I got thrown to the ground in a very public way. Uh, could feel the Holy Spirit entering into my body. I became aware of every single cell in my body. I could feel the wind blowing around it. I don't know how to describe it other than you should give it a shot sometime. It's, it's pretty cool, you know? Man, that was fun. Writhing on the ground, screaming and yelling, you know, laughing hysterically because I'm meeting God. That's the only thought that went through my mind as this was happening. I'm meeting God. I'm finally meeting God. This blue cloud is in me. I got him. You know, man, that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So this lasts forever, and I was 14 years old, and it starts me on this journey where when I got up off the ground from that, I decided at that moment, I said, that's it. For the rest of my life, I just want to live with him. <laughs> For the rest of my life, I just want to see how much more of this can I get, because if this is initial touch, oh man, how many people can I give this away to? <laughs> What difference, how can I see what, what, what's going on inside of this? This is the first time I actually understood myself. And in this time in Canada, there was major moves of God going across the nation. It wasn't just in Toronto. That's one that hit the news the most. But there's in, uh, in Kelowna, actually, Wesley and Stacey Campbell. Uh, they hosted these things called Avalanche, which is typically Canadian. You know, everything has to do with snow. <laughs> we are the frozen chosen. So it was this thing called Avalanche. And it was a youth conference, and I would go to this youth conference as a 14-year-old kid and just get annihilated in the presence of God, because I knew finally I can drink in this thing. I know who he is. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not just a, a magical thing. It's not just an accident. I actually can have a relationship, and the Holy Spirit is God, you know? John 17, go into that. And so I was just, oh, this 14-year-old kid, absolutely wide-eyed that I could experience the Lord with all of my friends and understand that I actually can change the world. And in this place, from Avalanche, they sent out a prophecy that I carried with me in my Bible so many times. I read it, I wept over it, I wet it with my tears. It actually disintegrated. That's why God invented iPads. Um, and this vision... I feel like the Lord's been telling me, he's saying, bring this out again. I'm 37 years old now. That I got this vision. It's not my vision. It's, it's, it's a vision by a guy named Pete Grieg, if you know who he is. But I read this thing, and I felt like the Lord is saying, start bringing it out again, because this vision is going to come to pass. It's time to prophesy it over every single person. It's time to release this thing. And I believe that tonight there's going to be a release of the anointing and there's going to be yet another commissioning. And we can have many commissionings to, so that you can be raised up as the revivalists that won't just change Australia, but are going to change the world. I believe with all of my heart that tonight there's going to be some serious anointing. There's going to be some serious authority. There's going to be some serious commissioning going on. That the, Tonight is not just a night of just like, woohoo, let's have fun. Well, yeah, let's have fun. But tonight is a night that actually counts. Tonight is a night that means something. Tonight is a night where we can stand up again and say, no, I know who I am. I know whose I am, and I'm going to change the world. Are you guys with me on this one? And so I want to give this first thing to you, this, this first vision. You can get it online. I'll show you where to get it later. But I want to prophesy this over you, and then I want to read to you like the prophecy that the Lord gave me for you guys. Is that okay? Perfect. So here we go. Prophecy starts. And now. <clears throat> so here's the vision. 
the paper that I wept over and disintegrated when I was 14 years old. The vision is Jesus. <laughs> Obsessively, dangerously, undeniably Jesus. The vision is an army of young people, and my edition also old. <laughs> Remember, family, a generation is always fathers and mothers, actually grandfathers and grandmothers, fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. That's a biblical definition of a generation. All of us together. You, uh, the vision is, is an army of young people. You see bones, I see an army. They laugh at nine to five little prisons. They can eat caviar on Monday and crust on Tuesday. They wouldn't even notice. They are mobile like the wind. They belong to the nations. They need no passport. People write their addresses in pencil and wonder at their strange existence. They are free, yet they are slaves of the hurting and dirty and dying. What is the vision? The vision is holiness that hurts the eyes. It makes children laugh and adults cry angry. It gave up the game of minimum integrity long ago to reach for the stars. It scorns the good and strains for the best. It is dangerously pure. Light flickers from every secret motive, every private conversation. It loves, away, it loves people away from their suicide leaps, their Satan games. This is an army that will lay down its life for the cause. A million times a day, its soldiers choose to lose that they may one day win the great well done of faithful sons and daughters. Such heroes are as radical on Monday morning as Sunday night. They don't need fame from names. Instead, they grin quietly upwards and hear the crowds chanting again and again, come on. And this is the sound of the underground. The whisper of history in the making, foundation-shaking revolutionaries dreaming once again. Mystery is scheming in whispers, conspiracy is breathing. This is the sound of the underground, and the army is disciplined. Young people who beat their bodies into submission. Every soldier would take a bullet for his comrade-at-arms. The tattoo on their body boasts for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Sacrifice fuels the fire of victory in their upward eyes. Winners. Martyrs, who can stop them? Can hormones hold them back? Can failure succeed? Can fear scare them or death kill them? And the generation prays like a dying man with groans beyond talking, with warrior cries, sulfuric tears, and with great barrel rolls of laughter, watching, waiting, 24-7, 365. Whatever it takes, they will give, breaking the rules, shaking mediocrity from its cozy little hide, laying down their rights and their precious little wrongs, laughing at labels, fasting essentials. The advertisers cannot mold them. Hollywood cannot hold them. Peer pressure is powerless to shake the resolve at late night parties before the rooster cries. They're incredibly cool, dangerously attractive inside. On the outside, they hardly care. They wear clothes like costumes to communicate and celebrate, but never to hide. Would they surrender their image or their popularity? They would lay down their very lives, swap seats with a man on death row, guilty as hell, a throne for an electric chair. With blood and sweat and many tears, with sleepless nights and fruitless days, they pray as if it all depends on God and live as if it all depends on Him, 
on them, sorry. Their DNA chooses Jesus. He breathes out, they breathe in. Their subconscious sings. They had a blood transfusion with Jesus. Their words make demons scream in shopping centers. Don't you hear them coming? Herald the weirdos. Summon the losers and the freaks. Here come the frightened and the forgotten with fire in their eyes. They walk tall and trees applaud, skyscrapers bow, mountains are dwarfed by these children of another dimension. Their prayers summon the hounds of heaven and invoke the ancient dream of Eden. And this vision will be, it will come to pass. It will come easily. It will come soon. How do I know? Because this is the longing of creation itself, the groaning of the spirit, the very dream of God. My tomorrow is his today. My distant hope is his 3D. And my feeble, whispered, faithless prayer invokes a thunderous, resounding, bone-shaking, great amen from countless angels, from heroes of the faith, from Christ himself. And he is the original dreamer, the ultimate winner. Guaranteed. This is the vision that captured my heart. And this is what I want to tell you tonight. My friends, my friends, this is you. This is you. This is you. One of my, uh, this is stealing it from Stacy. We say this all the time. I've been hearing this over and over and over again right now. And I'm hearing it tonight again. God is raising up a generation who will change the world and the world will not change them. I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. God is raising up a generation who will change Australia and Australia will not change you. God is raising up a generation who will change the very fabric of society, and the fabric of society will not change you. My friends, this vision that I just read you, this is you. This is you, this is you, this is you. You need to capture this. You need to hear this. God is implanting the seed into you right now. This is not just an experience, but I'm here to prophesy that tonight there's going to be the increase in the authority, and you will be walking in this. You will be walking in this. This is you. My friends, you are the revival generation. You are going to change the world. You are going to heal the sick. You are going to perform miracles here in this room as you already are. And I'm here to prophesy to you, you will lead millions to Jesus. You will lead millions to Jesus. You will change the world and the world will not change you. How do I know it? Because you're qualified. You have what it takes. Glory City, you have something nobody else has. You have Jesus and you have your heart beating and beating and beating. And I'm here to tell you, to remind you, God's a heart reader. He's not a lip reader. He reads the very, the, the feeble, quiet things. He reads what's going on in your heart, the stuff that you believe that you cannot even say. God's a heart reader. He's not a lip reader. And even just when your heart is beating, he reads it. He knows the passion that is inside of you, even if you don't, even if you don't think you're worthy of it. God reads your heart and every heartbeat shakes heaven. And so there's a question being posed to you tonight here in this place. And this question, I hear this all over the world, and I've been hearing it myself even. There's a question that's going out from, from in this place right now. And this question is this, who do you think you are? 
And it's a question that's being posed by both heaven and hell. Hell is asking this question, who do you think you are that you can believe this vision? Who do you think you are to think that you can go and heal the nations? Who do you think you are that you can actually become a millionaire, even a billionaire or a tech giant? Who do you think you are that you can be a missionary of fire and go rip all around the world with $10 in your pocket? Who do you think you are? Don't you see what you've done? Don't you see how you've messed up? Don't you see all this stuff? And heaven is asking the same question. Who do you think you are? You're my beloved. Isaiah 51 verse 1, look to the rock from which you've been cut. Look to the quarry from which you've been dug. If it's not true of him, it is not true of you. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I'm here to tell you, you are God's greatest dream come true on planet Earth. Psalm 139, it says that. Just get into that thing and read it over and over and over and over and over. It says that you are his greatest dream come true here on planet Earth. Who do you think you are? There's fact and there's truth. And tonight, this is going to be a fun one. We're here to show you that only one of these things will change your life in the way that you want it. <laughs> There's fact and there's truth. Only one will break those chains off your mind. Only one will break those chains off of your heart. Only one will change the way you live. And I promise you this, we can go into this all the time. There's fact and there's truth, both are right. But which one are you gonna engage with? The facts of your life, they lie. <laughs> they lie, the facts of your life say you're good for nothing. The facts of your life say that you've messed up. The facts of your life might say that you're too poor, you're too old, you're too rich, you're too anything. The facts of your life might say all of these things, but the truth, you will know the truth, my friends, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Which one of these do you wanna engage with? Which one of these do you wanna base your life off of? <laughs> so who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you. And I know that we see this all the time. We know this, I have the plans for you. And, and I, in some ways I think that's been mistranslated. I'm still working on this thing. Because oftentimes what we see is people, they'll engage with the facts of their life. They might've messed up. They might be disqualified. They might be all of this kind of stuff. And so I, I, I see this, especially in the younger generation. We see this and they feel so powerless because they ruined the plans. But I don't believe that this is what it says. I believe, for I know the purpose I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans change all the time, my friends. Plans, that is normal for the plans to change. But what will never, ever, 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 ever change is who God says you are. What is never going to change is his dream that he has for you. What is never going to change is the purpose, is the reality of who you are sitting in this room right now. And who you are is going to change the world and the world will not change you. Who you are is gonna go out into this planet and you're going to absolutely ransom the nations. <laughs> Some people, okay, we, we like this. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I can feel you all right now. You might have messed it all up, but I'm here to tell you it's time to start again. You might have been burned by burning. <laughs> you might have burnt out, but I'm here to tell you to get up. Tonight is a night where we get up. <laughs> Tonight is a night where we stand up into the purposes and to the truth of who he has always said we are. 
Tonight is a night where we're going to say goodbye to the facts and we're going to embrace the truth. Why? Because the truth will set you free every single time. What is the secret to success? It's this. You get up as many times as you get knocked down. I know this. You get up as many times as you get knocked down. And I actually have a scripture for you for that run. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, though for the righteous fall seven times, they stand up eight. I love this because it doesn't say that the righteous are perfect. It doesn't say that the righteous never mess up. It doesn't say that the righteous are flawless. It says that the righteous, when they fall, they stand up again. So I'm here to call us into this place of the righteousness of Christ. I'm here to say, I think it's the eighth time. For some of you, you need the eighth time. Though we fall down seven, we're going to get up eight. And I feel it in this room. There's going to be a moment where we're going to step out of that seventh thing and we're going to say, no, I am a righteous man. I am a righteous woman. I am going to engage with the truth and say goodbye to those facts. And I'm going to stand in who he always says I am. Oh. Hebrews 4.15, we know this one as well. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize us with us in our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. That is mind-blowing to me. It is absolutely mind-blowing to me. My Savior, my King, my Prince of Peace, the one who saved me from every... <laughs> That's a theological term for sin. Um, the man who saved me from all of this stuff. He was tempted in every way. He doesn't know the mystery. He's not looking at us saying, you're feeling what? He's looking at us saying, I know the way. I know the truth. I know the life. It's me. It's me. Stand up in who you are. Stand up in who I created you to be. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He set the bar impossibly high, and we know this. He created a task that could, he could never, that we could never complete, and then he didn't. He went and did it not just for us, but as us. He went to the cross and he took all of our sin. We know this, all of our shame. He took all of our mistakes, all of our failures, and I love this about God. He wants to give you tonight beauty for ashes. Tonight, and I know, I know it, even though in church, uh, I know every single one of us have a little bit of ashes that's still going on. Every single one of us still, we struggle with this stuff. Every single one of us do. And guess what? Tonight, he wants to say, I want to give you truth. I want to give you beauty. I want to show you who you are. I want to do a divine transaction and call you up an eighth time into who God has created you to be. He wants to take what you secretly beat yourself up over night after night after night after night and give you what you've always dreamed of. Isn't that just the thing with God? I love this about him. It blows my mind. I still deal with this stuff on a regular basis. I'm the guy who still looks up at him and say, hey God, are you sure you picked the right one? Especially when I get to go in to meet with a president or if I go in to meet with, with anybody or, or if I'm just by myself in my room thinking my own thoughts. Are you sure you picked the, white run, the right one, God? The white one? He picked a white one, that's for sure. From Canada, white as we get. <laughs> Don't you see what I did? Don't you see the failure? Don't you see how I beat myself up? And then he always says the same thing back to me all over and over and over again. Oh, Kale, don't you see? Don't you see who you are? Don't you see that you're my son? Don't you see how much I love you? Hmm. And I love this. It's all through the cross. He gives us this beauty for ashes. It's, it's the banking system of Christ, and we know this, but I just want to, oh, I just feel it tonight. 
the banking system of God is we give him what we're most ashamed of and he gives us gold. I don't get how it works, but I love it. I feel like I win the jackpot every single time. God hears all my failure. God hears my shame and he goes, I love this stuff. It's what I died for. Now here's a garland of praise. Now here's a spirit of joy. Now here's validation. Now stand up, my son. My friends, I know the secret. I know the secret tonight. Let him find you. Let him find you. Let him find you. The whole you. Stop hiding. Stop hiding behind the facts and start standing in the truth. Hebrews 11.6 says this, it's impossible to please God but through faith. And so here's another question posed to you tonight. How much faith does it take for you to believe that you're a loser? (laughs) I'm pretty good at that one. Doesn't need much faith. How much faith does it take for you to believe that you're a sinner, useless, forgotten? If it's impossible to please God by faith, I don't want to land there. There's facts and there's truth. It is up to you what you're going to agree with tonight. How much faith does it take for you to believe that you're the righteousness of Christ? How much faith does it take for you to believe that as he is, so are you in this world? How much faith does it take for you to believe that you're seated with Christ in the heavenlies? It's impossible to please God, but by faith. I want to make sure I'm landing in that over and over and over again. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's worth it. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying we got to do it, my friends. God is looking for the army of God. God is looking for the vision. God is looking for you tonight so that you can send us out to the world. So I'm going to ask us to do something tonight, which is going to require vulnerability, but, but we like that. Is, is this okay? I like when you say yes before I can tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I want to show you tonight that sometimes the facts qualify you for the truth. I want to show you tonight that you actually are qualified, that God has actually called you to be the army of the living God. I want to show you tonight that sometimes the stuff that we struggle with is actually the thing that makes us chosen and ready. You got what it takes. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to move into ministry right now. I'm going to start prophesying over you. We're going to start doing some fun stuff. And, and this is going to be like call and response, I guess. Uh, but what I want us to do is I'm going to read out some facts that I struggle with. I'm going to read out some facts that I find that a generation struggles with. <laughs> See, they're leaving before it starts. They're like, I don't want to get into this. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> and what I'm going to ask us to do is if you identify with these facts, we're, we're a family, right? Yes, yes, Kayla, we are. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yes. So we're a family. We love each other. We're willing to be seen and known, right? So I'm going to read out some of these facts, and what I want you to do is, if you identify with that, and the first couple of ones, you're going to be the brave ones. I'm going to ask you to stand up where you are, and I'm going to ask you to remain standing. When you stand up, I'm going to actually give you a little bit of a prophecy, but we're going to go someplace with this. Does this make sense? Okay, you ready? Because I'm going to show you, sometimes the facts qualify you for the truth. 
So who here feels like they're lost and forgotten on the sea of life? That it's so big and sometimes you can't be seen. And it's just, man, what am I supposed to do? If that's you, thank you for being brave. If that's you in this room, I'm gonna invite you to stand up right now. We're gonna give some time. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, you are qualified. You are qualified because my Jesus says you are found. My Jesus says that he will never, ever, ever leave or forsake anyone. My Jesus says that nothing will separate you. My friends, you are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. And remain standing. Who here feels like they've made such a massive mistake that they feel like God can never use you again? I'm telling you, we're going to have to be brave. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that you are qualified because Jesus says he will never, ever, ever leave or forsake you. Who here feels like, or you struggle with feeling like a loser, like I said, a social outcast, the losers and the weirdos that were being talked about in that first thing, too stupid or awkward to do anything significant. That's for the Cathars, it's for the Kales, it's for the worship team, but it's not for me. If that's you, I'm gonna invite you to stand up in this place. I'm here to tell you that you are qualified because Jesus says a broken heart and a contrite spirit he will never, ever, ever deny. You are qualified because you have the mind of Christ. It says so for me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You have the mind of Christ. Who here feels too scared, too small, or too insignificant? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up again. I'm here to tell you that you are qualified because Jesus says all you need is faith like a mustard seed and the mountain in front of you, it will be thrown into the sea. It will be thrown into the sea. It will be thrown into the sea. Who here feels like they've sinned so hard already that you're too dirty to enter into the things of God? <laughs> or that maybe you just met Jesus and everybody else can walk in this stuff, but you're just too baby of a Christian. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand up in this place. <clears throat> I'm here to tell you that you are qualified because Jesus said that even though our sin is red, our, blood, our sins are blood red, that he has made us white as snow. <clears throat> Who here feels too ashamed of what is happening in their hearts that you're afraid to let anyone see the actual real you? the doubts and the worries and the fears. I'm here to tell you, my friends, you are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. Who here feels too old, too poor, like you don't have enough education? If that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, you are qualified. You are qualified. Now, this is the fun part. I love this because you guys got a good church that's going on. 
Here's the fun thing with the body of Christ. When we see people who are weak in the knees, who are struggling with that whole thing of after having done all to stand, stand. Our job is to stand with them. Our job is to hold each other's burdens. Our job is to find the people that are struggling and say, your burden is my burden. Our job is to say, I'm victorious in this thing. I'm going to give you my strength. So every person here who is not struggling with anything, either you're lying or this is awesome. If you're here in this room and you're not struggling right now, I want you to stand up because you know you're qualified to stand with your brothers and sisters. Let's rise to our feet and let's say, no, this is our eighth time. My friends, you are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.